Hello, this is Caleb Suko, and today I'm reading chapter two from my book, What If? How to Kill Worry and Anxiety Before They Kill You. Let's start. The acceptable sin. Every culture, every time period, and often every church has a few sins that are considered acceptable. For the patriarchs, polygamy really wasn't that bad. In the New Testament, some churches thought it wasn't a big deal to segregate the rich from the poor. Not so long ago in U.S. history, many churches had no problem segregating blacks from whites. Today, you could make a long list of sins that are acceptable by many in our culture. Worry is one of those acceptable sins. To be honest, we often don't view worry or anxiety as a sin. Rather than viewing worry as a sin rooted in the heart, which must be uprooted and destroyed by Jesus, Many see it almost as if it were a hobby, a pastime, or just part of their personality. Some people like to read or knit, and others like to ruminate on theoretical situations that could someday make their life difficult. To a certain degree, we enjoy worrying. It gives the mind something to do. At first, it might feel like we are solving problems, like we are staying in front of things, or like we are caring for our loved ones. Then we get carried away and soon find that worry has gripped our minds with an uneasy sense of apprehension and doubt that grows with our fixation upon the problem. We usually don't realize that there is a problem until the strain and tension created by uncontrolled uncertainty in our mind has caused other problems like sleepless nights or even palpitations of the heart. We may begin to see its negative effects in our family relationships. Anxiety can also keep us from doing things we used to love, such as participating in sports or traveling. The problems around which worry brews are theoretical and most likely will never come to reality. However, the problems that worry creates are very real. Rarely will we attempt to do anything about worry until the problems which it creates in our life begin to bother us. What do most people do when these very real complications appear? The first reaction isn't to run to God's word for help, but rather to treat the outward and physical symptoms. So if you can't sleep, you'll find a whole shelf full of sleep aids at your local pharmacy. If that doesn't work, many turn to alcohol, excessive TV watching, and many other ways of forcing the mind to temporarily forget its worries. Then there are the narcotics given to us by the medical establishment as a way to slow the mind and dull the senses. Drugs like Prozac, Zoloft, Luvox, Xanax, and Paxil are used by tens of millions of Americans daily as a means to cope with crippling anxiety worry, stress, anger, and depression. We know for certain that these medications affect the processes of the mind and body. We also know that they have many undesirable side effects. What is debatable is whether or not these medications actually help patients get to the root of the problem. When we turn to God's word, we see a different picture. The Bible clearly teaches us not only that worry is sin, but it also gives us guidance on how we should deal with it. 
It would have been understandable for many Christians in the early church to struggle with worry. After all, they were under the constant threat of persecution. It didn't take long for all of Jesus' disciples to lose their lives for following Jesus. Paul himself spent much of his time in prison and was beaten by the authorities on several occasions. Yet, when Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he told them not to worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Unfortunately, many people are led to believe that their problem is purely a chemical imbalance that can be corrected by ingesting other chemicals which will bring their brain and body into harmony again. By blaming chemical imbalances and treating only the physical results, the whole idea that the underlying cause might be sin is lost. My friend Carrie put it this way, I focused on the chemical imbalance issue as a way to not worry so much, among other reasons. Truthfully, it had a huge impact on changing my thinking. But the more I focused there, the more I realized its limits. Balancing brain chemicals only took me so far, and I realized at some point there had to be another way for a simpler and more peaceful existence. Only through the Holy Spirit has this existence truly become a reality. And as long as I keep my focus on Christ, peaceful and simple describe my life. When I don't, my life becomes chaotic and full of worry once again. And this holds true no matter how perfectly balanced my brain chemicals might be. The Holy Spirit forces us to confront the root cause, and that's where true healing lies. Carrie got it right, but unfortunately, in the minds of many, worry is either something that is passed off as simply a character trait that you can't really change, or a physical defect of the brain that must be treated with medication. Because we don't see worry as a sin, it is not uncommon to hear people talk about their worry and make passing remarks such as, oh, I'm just a worry wart, or I can't help it, I like to worry. They admit their problem but immediately pass it off as no big deal. Imagine if we applied these statements to other sins. What if you were browsing for movies with a friend and you came across a pornographic film? To your surprise, your friend suggested that you purchase it. And when you ask why, he simply laughs and says, oh, I just can't help it, I'm a sexual pervert. Even if he were a sexual pervert, he probably wouldn't admit it because that's a sin and he'd be ashamed if you found out. Yet viewing pornography is really not that different from worry. Both are sins of the mind. Both fantasize about something that is not real. Both are patterns of wrong thinking that develop deep thought habits, which can be difficult to overcome. Both cripple their victims by invading and distracting the mind throughout the day. Both can lead to real physical problems. Both will lead to relationship problems. Both will keep us from pursuing God's will in our life. Do you remember Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5-7? through 7? 
If you read through it, you will find that Jesus speaks about lust in three verses, Matthew 5, 27 through 29. However, Jesus spends 10 verses addressing the problem of worry, Matthew 6, 24 through 34. That's a good indication that worry really is something we should approach with a serious attitude. That passage also has one of the clearest statements in the Bible which prohibits worry in the life of a Christian. Jesus simply states it like this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Matthew 6.25 Next time you are tempted to brush off worry as an insignificant character trait, you need to stop yourself in your tracks and remind yourself that worry is a sin. And if left unchecked, worry can destroy you just like any sin. Worry is a sin that most of the time we cannot see or touch. Maybe that is the reason why it is so often brushed off. It's easy to recognize other big sins like stealing or drug abuse or sexual immorality. These sins all have physical aspects to them. They all have something we can point to and say, there it is. There was a big group of religious leaders in the Bible called the Pharisees who were experts at pointing out the big sins. They had come up with entire systems of how to identify sin. Unfortunately for their people, the Pharisees were quite good at identifying the sin they could see and touch. However, when it came to recognizing sins of the mind and problems of the heart, they fell short. Jesus had little patience with the Pharisees. He called them tombs filled with dead men's bones, Matthew 23, 27. In contrast to the Pharisees, Jesus taught that thoughts and intentions were important because they lie at the root of all we say and do. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Matthew 5, 21 and 22. Jesus raises the bar. Committing murder would be bad for sure, but Jesus says that even being angry is a sin. Anger is a sin of the heart that sometimes can appear in the form of words. However, if left unchecked, can result even in murder. What Jesus is trying to show us is that all sin really starts in the heart. If we let it go on, it will eventually result in some sort of action in real life. It is vital that we recognize sin while it is still in the heart before it has the chance to expose itself in our actions where it could do real harm. Just like anger, worry can also manifest itself into real life in a physical way that can be destructive to us and others. We'll talk about that more later. Maybe you still think worry isn't really that big of a deal. 
or that the best solution is a prescription from your doctor. That's okay for now. I simply ask you, keep reading. That concludes chapter two of my book, What If? How to Kill Worry and Anxiety Before They Kill You. If you would like to get a copy, you can find it on Amazon where you can order the paperback or the Kindle version.